Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Gerberry, or Gerbs, and I am here with Mitchell Crawl and Ethan Forness. We are here for episode two of the newly minted, newly named WFNY Cornercast. Uh, how do you guys feel about the new name? I like it. I mean, I feel like when we were going through the naming process, it was kind of like, it was kind of curious that there aren't that many like images associated with this franchise, which is kind of sad, but the corner of Carnegie, Ontario is a classic one. And I feel like it's a good one. For sure. Um, I think it goes back to the, the rebrand. We just don't have a lot of history, you know, history and guardians right now. So we, nothing really to pull back on. That's what I thought, but. The team yeah, I think Ethan, 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 the name came from Ethan. Who, Ethan, who gave you the name, did you say, or was that from you? Uh, actually, Evan, who was in our Discord, is the one who messaged me and sent me the idea. So a member Fantastic. of our Discord has the, the name of the podcast. We will have Hats to give him a pat on the back. Hats off listen. to him. We listen to our Discord members. We do. We do every once in a while. They're yeah, smarter than us sometimes. Some very, very often they're smarter than us. Uh, so let's do some news and notes. We actually have a free agency signing, guys. It's uh, no one really interesting. No, um, Brian Shaw is back with the organization, uh, signed a 900K uh, major league deal uh, to be the veteran out of the bullpen. Um, Mitchell, where do you think uh, he's going to end up? Is he going to be... Um, the eighth inning guy, the seventh inning guy, is he going to be first one out of the bullpen? Um, where do you think he's going to slot in just uh, right off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, I really hope he's not the seventh or eighth inning guy. I'm fine with the signing because this bullpen is so high variance. There are so many guys, you know, we don't even really know who is slotted in. So, you know, Brian Shaw is an arm. He, he can throw the ball. He can, th- you know conceivably he can throw strikes and get batters out sometimes. Uh, so like it's better than, I don't know, some sort of crazy high variance innings we could have had there instead. Uh, but if he's going in the, in the high uh, leverage innings, that's a wait. That's kind of a waste of, of that opportunity that could go to a young arm. Yeah. I, I don't think we brought him in for the high leverage opportunities. This has a lot of uh, a Scott Atchison feel to me where we're bringing in that inveterate guy that's been in the system forever. He knows how the pitching development program works, no matter what pitching coach is at the helm. He's worked with several of them. Now he's going to be a middle relief guy, but he's really going to be there to coach the likes of Eli Morgan, Sam Henches. If Logan Allen is lucky enough to somehow survive spring training and not get DFA, he's there for those guys. It's funny, though. He's somehow only 34 years old. He's another one of those guys that feels like he's been around forever. But he's definitely that ex that Cleveland just keeps going back to. <laughs> That's a pretty good way of putting it. Uh, the When the signing came through today, it was uh, met with a, oh, of course, Brian Shaw is back. <laughs> and I think uh, that uh, was the resounding 
um, uh, feelings amongst the Guardians fans and amongst our uh, Discord, at least on the private side. But uh, we all know Tito likes his his bullpen shuffle, and and there's nobody that's uh, a more of a dance partner with Tito than uh, Brian Shaw. So it shouldn't be that much of a surprise to uh, to us out here. Um, the other news: uh, two injuries recently that uh, came up. One came from today. Um, we just mentioned it real quick, just about the uh, Luke Maley injury. Um, during today's uh, spring training game, he had a left hamstring uh, strain. Um, he uh, was slated to be the backup catcher. He is on the 40, uh, 40 man roster now, I believe. It was Carlos Vargas, right, that went down for him. So they got uh, yeah, moved to the 60, 60 day. day. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, Mitch, you were wanting to talk about this just in, in terms of uh, depth uh, that we have organizationally for the catcher spot. What would uh, were your comments on that one? Oh, no. I just thought it was – there was a moment – and it sounds like it's not going to be so bad, hopefully, knock on wood. But there was just a moment where it was like, oh, of course this guy gets hurt immediately and we're either going to have to go with Sandy Leone or or uh, or they're going to have to go with, uh, you know, a prospect in Brian Lavastida who may be ready, maybe isn't. Um, and it just goes to show, like, when you are so stingy and, and, and refuse to kind of add to the organization, like – this is the kind of thing that can happen. Like uh, your your ham you're a hamstring strain away from like all your plans getting ruined with your prospects and uh, you know kind of their growth. Um, and yeah, it, it's just kind of sad. That's all. Is there any comments about Luke uh, Maley here? So it's really unfortunate, and there's a couple of factors that led us to be in the roster crunch that we are at. Uh, but I will say with what do we have 11 games left of spring training, I think all signs are pointing to a couple of guys on the fringe getting DFA before this is all said and done. Um, so, you know, uh, Maley went down, but we had to move a guy on the 40 man to the 60 day to add him. Now we've signed Shaw to a major league deal with no space. So expect our next guy moving to the 60 day to yell sometime later this week when we bring him up to make room for Shaw. But that being said, you're playing that musical chair. It's the last chair left. Where are we supposed to put Sandy Leone without getting rid of somebody? Because even with Melee down, we don't have space for anybody besides Hedges and Lavastida. Well, hopefully he's back. You know, hopefully he's back by the time, you know, hopefully it's right. serious. But I think it is just, it just goes to show like catching, catching is kind of a, a position that sees a lot of attrition. Uh, so, you know, I, I would be willing to bet we will see some Sandy Leone time this year, you know, and also you bring up who's going to get moved to the 60 day DL, uh, sorry, IL next. Uh, and that kind of segues into the other bit of injury news today that, uh, Cody Morris is out for what, four to six weeks did I see? He is shut down for four to six weeks. Um, no throwing on, uh, where they trace major muscle injury in his throwing shoulder. Uh, yeah. So after the four to six weeks, then he'll be readjusted or uh, reevaluated and see where he's going from there. But that, uh, that puts him out at least the first month of the season. Um, probably longer though, because he hasn't even finished his throwing program. But that yeah. was a guy that we were, that we've talked about as being someone who could either be part of the rotation by the end of the year or uh, coming out of opening day and being in the bullpen. Um, uh, but that's a big uh, injury um, to to Cleveland's pitching depth that uh, 
is what got really uh, worked over last year and then stripped down with some of the uh, cuts that they had to make to that 40 man. We lost, you know, JC Mejia, which isn't, you know, some of these guys aren't much, but they are losses and, and just that their arms that we used last year. Um, but uh, yeah, Morris being out is, is something that's uh, a pretty big uh, loss there. Yeah. This, Terrace major injury. It's the same as uh, I don't. Um, Mike Clevenger a couple of years back mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the year, he was throwing. He was out there throwing ninety eight, and it was like a new Mike Clevenger, and then he immediately uh, hurt himself. It's like a. It's like an upper back uh, muscle, and uh, it's been increasing in frequency in, in Major League Baseball recently. But I'd never heard of it happening before Mike Clevenger just a few years ago. It does. Um, it probably got lumped in with a little bit of like back strain. Yeah, but, could, uh, that could be. We've gotten more scientific with like what the the public right. knows, um, but yeah, that, it is a bummer. Um, but luckily, they did in, um, address that upper minors pitching depth beyond just him. They've got Tobias Minor. They've got Myers. Excuse me. They've got Connor Pilkington. Um, so at least if it does need to be tested, they shouldn't be in the same situation as last year when J.C. Mejia hadn't pitched above a ball and then got called up to the majors. Yeah, Yeah. and this is just unfortunate for Cody, too, who by all accounts from scouts and people in the organization that he's got the ability to be a solid middle to lower part of the rotation guy. He just has not been able to stay healthy. He's getting up there in age. Um, started falling off prospect lists this year, mostly just because of the age. When he's healthy, he still has the stuff, and his numbers show that. But I don't know. I was looking earlier. I don't know if he's made more than 11 starts in a season uh, and has even made some appearances out of the bullpen relatively consistently yeah. in his time with his mine and the minors to try and preserve him as much as they can. So it's just unfortunate that, you know, you don't want to put the injury-prone tag on a guy, but Cody's not been very lucky. It's a shame. Dude throws 97. Would, yeah. would look real nice in a Guardians uniform. Yeah, for sure. Probably. For sure. Yep. I was just looking at his fan graphs real quick. Um, yeah, he, uh, 2019, he started 11 games. 2021, he had um, 8, 5, 13, and once so 14 games uh, started last year. So, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of issues with the injury i don't enjoy that you said a guy getting up there in age and he's 25 but uh we're talking prospect wise so long uh, uh, prospect is different right. than sports old 100 percent, yes um but yeah college uh, guy i that i don't know uh yeah Ethan, you might be able to speak to that you you wrote here your uh preview about him this uh this year so i don't believe he was. He might have been a prep guy, but I could also be very wrong. At 25, and he's only been in the minors a few years, he might have been at least a junior. Um, but I don't remember off the top of my head which university yeah. he went to. Yeah, it was yeah. a 2018 draft. So he was um, – that's the only thing I can see on the Fangraphs page. But, uh, so he oh, was yeah, he was high school. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he was college. South Carolina. Oh, so, okay. yeah, that's – yeah, got to stay healthy if you're drafted to college. No sure. The only the other part of uh, we had two more bits of news and notes. Um, there was a rumor today that was uh, perked up the Discord and was very warranted. The red light treatment uh, alarms going off in the Discord. 
Um, Andre Knott of uh, Bally Sports, or I don't know exactly what he, he was on Fox 8 News, um, was uh, reported that uh, Jose Ramirez's representation was in Goodyear to work out a possible extension. Um, unfortunately, it was about an hour or so later that those uh, those red lights got turned off when uh, his agent actually tweeted out saying that he was in L.A. and not in Goodyear. But um, there has to be some sort of smoke along with this fire, I feel like. there. It, as we documented last week, that it, it makes absolute uh just absolute certain sense that he uh, an extension works for cleveland works for jose um that there's no reason that they shouldn't be doing this and uh so you know we were super excited about that everybody was uh jumping on board but um with uh with the the quick fire extinguisher uh tweet saying that his agent was actually in la um bodie tweeted out that or uh, was on our discord saying it's only a five-hour drive, only a thirty-minute flight. If he wants to fly back and forth, but uh, um, who's to say that uh, that's not what he did? But to to come out and say it didn't actually happen, where you know that's uh, that's that's some you know a little bit of of dirt thrown on the fire there. And but and, uh, oh, good. I was going to say, and that's where I think that that the the smoke is with the fire because Andre not not a newsbreaker, but he is around the dugout, the players and the coaches enough that if he heard something that big that he felt was credible to share it, I don't think he would have just said that. But at the same time, you know, the, the Guardians organization runs such a tight ship that you never hear things like this leak out. Now, granted, Jose's agent is just one guy who runs his own firm, and he's very proud of that, uh, Rafa Nieves. And there's no saying that he may have just been messing. He could very well have just had a stop on his way to Goodyear. He also reps George Valera for the record, so he would also have reason to be in Cleveland, or not in Cleveland, but at their spring training facility in Arizona. So there's enough here to not just write it off because the agent said he was in LA when it was told, but it's definitely more breadcrumbs than a concrete lead. I mean, I, this is the first we've ever heard of it really, other than like things through Zach Meisel, whom, whom I respect and enjoy. And, and, you know, if he hears something, you know, I believe it, but this is like, you know, directly from a team employee that Jose Ramirez could be resigned. I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing that this team needs to do, like, as soon as possible, not just for PR, but for its competitive window. I mean, if not now, when? The youngest team in the major leagues by far, there's no foreseeable path to contention without Jose Ramirez, at least in the foreseeable future. It We know they have money coming, and we know about this Apple deal. Uh they have and and we know about the possible sale i mean there is really if they if they want to pretend or or say that they are committed to winning and they don't sign jose ramirez we should not take them seriously anymore we really shouldn't because uh i mean it just makes too much sense it just makes all the sense in the world yeah absolutely there yeah we've We've talked about it to death last week, but yeah, and you guys got it all right there on the head. So 
The other thing, uh, last bit of news and notes for this week. Um, we had arbitration deadline uh, come through, or at least matching um, numbers, exchange numbers, and Cleveland, as per usual. I think we've only had one arbitration case um, in the last decade, uh, but they were able to agree with all of their guys. Um, they had six, or they had seven uh, arbitration cases. Fran Mill, uh, Reyes, Shane Bieber, Ahmed Rosario, Austin Hedges, Cal Control, uh, Bradley Zimmer, and Josh Naylor. Um, all of those are guys that are looking, with the exception of possibly Bradley Zimmer, are looking at guys that could be, or should be, probably be in uh, the, the, with the season, with the team for the season. Um, the only one that was underneath um, Fangraph's projected uh, numbers for it were uh, Bradley Zimmer. But uh, as I said, Cleveland has a long history of not going to arbitration cases. So um, it's not really a surprise to me, at least, that they were going over slot a little bit to get these guys in, make sure that everything was good. Um, Bodie was kind of uh, saying in our Discord that maybe um, some of the the lack of movement was because they were waiting for these ARB numbers to get done um, so they could know where their payroll was for this year so they knew how much money they had going in and going out. it would help someone like Ahmed Rosario because now uh, Cleveland can say, we know he's making X dollars. What are you going to re- you know, get us for a return for this? Um, Ethan, do you think there's any kind of, was there, what was your bet? Uh, your favorite number out of there? Obviously Shane Bieber, 6 million friend mill, 4.55. Ahmed actually got a little bit more. He was 4.95. Um, but he's also been around a little bit longer um, up in the majors. Um, had you got four mil, Cal Quantrill two point five one, um, and Bradley one point three, Josh Naylor one point two. Was there anything that you uh, like out of those numbers? Um, yeah, so you? go ahead. There's two that I really like out of there. First is Fran Meal at four point five five mil. He's had some health issues too, but he's worked really hard on his conditioning and really wants to get to 550 plate appearances this year. That man has talked about nothing but wanting to hit 40 home runs in a season, and he's got the ability to do it. He just needs to stay in games, stay healthy, stay at the dish. Um, you know, I really love that he spent the offseason working out with Juan Soto, working on his pitch recognition, working on uh, – trying to draw more walks or drag out his at-bats a little bit more instead of chasing. I've seen a couple of his at-bats so far this spring, and he definitely looks a lot more patient at the plate. You know, he's not faced significant caliber arms just yet. The first week of spring training, it feels like everybody threw out their A-ball guys. Um, But he does look really comfortable up there, which is nice. So I, I really like that number for a guy who... If he does get 550 plate appearances, nobody would be surprised if he hit 40 bombs. Uh, and the other one I like is Cal Quantrill, who wound up his second half of the season last year, earned him that Super 2 designation. So he got to start arbitration a little bit early, so he gets rewarded for his performance. And 2.51 for a guy who's probably going to be our 3 or 4 this year, not a bad number at all. Yeah, Mitch, how do you feel about the, the numbers? Anything that uh, was pointed out to you? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, this is about what, what you'd expect. I've, I've heard some people uh, grumble about, you know, holding on to Bradley Zimmer. Um, I understand the frustration. Um, 
he's making about what you'd expect a guy in his role to be, you know, like a kind of a no bat, good fielder, fourth outfielder type. He's making about what Brett Phillips is making down in Tampa. I mean, this is a pretty normal um, expected uh, number for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is about what we expected, just a little over what we expected. The biggest thing for me is exactly what you said about Ahmed Rosario. I'm on the trade Rosario bandwagon. I've been on it for a while. Uh, so, you know, give him some certainty, offer him up in some trades, preferably to Oakland for one catcher. Uh, that would be ideal. But, uh, yeah, not other than that, I'm uh, – this, this all seemed like good numbers. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, I wasn't, I agree. I, I wasn't really uh, blown away or anything. I mean, I'm super excited to have Shane Bieber pitch for us for $6 million. Uh, yeah. When you look at his dollar to war ratio, that's uh, that's way off the charts. But um, that leads us into uh, where we're going to go tonight. We're going to go to our pitcher preview uh, this week. Um, we only have a couple we only have uh, this podcast and next before opening day. So uh, we're going to look over the pictures today. Um, I had everybody pick out uh, some bold predictions. Um, we all had one prediction that was at least one prediction that was uh, player specific for us. And we had a couple that we bounced around and, uh, and agreed with um, or at least different pictures that we all wanted had different feelings about. Um, I'll start off my big one that I had that uh, was only mine. I said, Aaron Savale is going to lead the team in innings pitched. Um, I have long been on a uh, Aaron Savale believer um, as much as the numbers don't uh, scream that I should get off the, uh, the sell my stock, get off the train, um, not the bandwagon. Uh, I, I just like what he does. I've always enjoyed, um, guys that uh, are able to pitch the contact as much as um, it can kind of like bite them, uh, getting that, uh, those out pitches and getting, getting out of the inning with a good ground ball. Um, that's been Savali for me. And that's what, that's where I've always wanted to uh, enjoyed pitchers. I, I grew up knowing that I was not going to a be a pitcher or B be a, uh, a power guy. So I, I actually really enjoyed uh, Greg Maddox growing up and, and Zavoli has some of that Maddox feel to him uh, for me, at least uh, maybe not with the pinpoint command, but the ability to uh, pitch the contact and, and get out of innings as, as easily as he can. Um, be, he's a the quintessential innings eater. And uh, I see him going a little bit further than uh, Bieber with innings pitched, but uh, that's my, uh, that's my 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 single one that I have. Um, I was the only one that mentioned Savale in our bold predictions. Mitchell, well, give me one of your uh, bold predictions. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll guess. I guess I'll go with Zach Plesac. Um All right. My bold prediction with Zach Plesac is that um, it's not really a bold prediction. It's more of an observation. Uh, in that his basically in 2020, Zach Plesac's command. Uh, of his pitches was truly incredible. 
Um, and it led to, you know, re a really, really special season for him. He walked under a batter per inning. Um, and I'm pulling up his stats now. Um, yeah, he was, he was truly incredible at a 228 ERA, not, you know, a little, little lucky, but like a 339 FIP and a 343 stat cast ERA. Uh, so not, you know, still extremely good. And then in, in 2021, he had a, you know, four, six, seven ERA and, and a fit to match it. So, you know, which pitcher is he? And I'm going to lean just because I'm an eternal optimist. I'm going to say that Zach Plesak is Cleveland's number two pitcher uh, by season's end, which is a, a huge zag for me uh, as the uh, in-house Plesak uh, hater. But I really think he has the tools. Um, I think there's an article to be written here I wrote, but but basically what the difference between his 2020 and his 2021 uh, is his command of his pitches and specifically his command around the zone. Um, in 2021, he actually got ahead of batters slightly more effectively in 2020. The difference is in 2020, he was putting batters away. It was incredible. His uh, WOBA while ahead of the count uh, was 186 compared to 261 in, in 2021. And one of the big differences was the fact that he used his slider in these situations in 2020. He used it uh, over one out of every three pitches he threw was his slider compared to just over one out of every four. Might not sound like a big deal, but that is a big deal. That's uh, a massive increase in, in slider usage or decrease in this case. And his WOBA against his slider uh, in 2020 was absolutely absurd in these situations. Uh, it was 071. Uh, no one could touch his slider when he was ahead in the count in 2020. And it's because he was nailing the corners with it. Uh, 2021, they, um, they was up more higher in the zone, more over the plate. Uh, it was still pretty good, but he threw it less often. And the fastball just got crushed as well. Uh, so I think if he and the, and the Guardians uh, studied his usage last year, uh, they should be able to see that the slider was much more effective than his other pitches in these situations. And then it's on him to figure out how to command uh, on the edge of the corner again. Let's just hope it had nothing to do with a uh, certain sticky substance. Yeah, we're going to, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, this year um, how much the stickiness, uh, how much people have adjusted to the stickiness or lack thereof rather. Um, mm -hmm. And if that uh, is a, you know, we saw guys like, Grid Jack fall off at the end of the year last year um, when they started banning it, and then uh, we'll see if uh, with with the off season if they worked on their craft a little bit more. But please, mm -hmm. might be one that uh, was definitely interested to see. So, Mitch, you also, have a go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm also somewhat hopeful that MLB institutes some sort of like legal sticky stuff or a pre-tacked ball or something along these lines. Yeah. Uh, just to discourage cheating and 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 to allow pitchers to have that good grip. I mean, if it affects Plesak's command that much, uh, then then clearly it can affect uh, pitchers' grip and and release the ball pretty significantly. For sure. Um, but you had mentioned um, in your uh, in in your uh, Plesak section there that uh, you were the. We you have please act haters here. Both Ethan and I were um, in in 
uh, prep for this, we were actually writing out that I think both of us were thinking Plesak was actually going to be out of the rotation by the end of the year. So for you to say that he's your number two guy, that's a, a pretty big uh, spot for has. Uh, well, you said bold. It is, yeah, I'm good with bold. I want bold. Uh, Ethan, what do you uh, do? You have anything on on Plesak? Why do you think he's going to be out of the rotation? So I still need to do some digging on Plezak because there's a lot of nuance to some of the stuff that could be going wrong with him. And I think it extends beyond sticky stuff, even when, cause it was an in-season ban last year for the sticky stuff. And he was not good before then. And he, he got hurt almost right away, but yeah. was it immediately? It was, it was like a month into the season. Okay. So he still yeah. had at least a couple of starts before, it was gone, and I I just wasn't on the train, but I'm still looking into it. I, I kind of scrapped him last minute because it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it could honestly be an entire debate as a podcast between Mitchell and I about Plesak <laughs> is where that was headed this morning. Um, but I, I, I thought I, about I thought about making the bold prediction he is either the number two pitcher or out of the rotation, but I decided that was not bold enough, so I just went with the bolder of the two. It's a pretty extreme swing. It could have worked either way for you, depending on how you wanted to argue it. Um, but, Gerbs, I like that you brought up Savale because doing prep for this the last two days, I kept trying to think, what would I say about Aaron Savale? What would I say about Aaron Savale? Because all he does is exceed his peripherals. A yep. lot of numbers on that guy is that he should be terrible, and every yes. year he's really reliable. And I was just thinking he is—he's the next phase of evolution of Josh Tomlin, and I have nothing more to add to that. Oh, that's a—I have—I I constantly pit, uh, pitch around in my head of uh, Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard, and uh, he, him being the Charizard of, of Josh uh, Tomlin's Charmander. Hey, that would be, I'll complete uh, it for you. You've got Derek Lowe as Charmander, Josh Tomlin as Charmeleon, and, and Aaron Savale as Charizard. There we go. We've done it. We've Full evolution tree. That's what we Pokemon's do. here. Baseball's here. I'm in bliss. Uh, but I will start with at least my unique take. Um, and this one is going to suck to hear. But Brian Shaw is going to be the best middle reliever that the Guardians have this year. I am not sold on. I am not sold on please act or not please act. I'm not sold. You're not. On, you're not sold on please act. We've I'm discussed not, no. this, but we can move thing. on. Uh, I'm not sold on Hentges. Uh, I'm really hoping the Logan Allen and Bradley Zimmer experiments end each other uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, I don't want to see him up there. I have mixed confidence in Eli Morgan. Uh, I think his changeup is one of the filthiest pitches on the entire pitching staff, but the fact that he can't set it up without velocity or pinpoint command of his other stuff makes him kind of streaky. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I had to guess right now, they would probably switch between Goes and Karinchak uh, for that setup role, having dueling righty-lefty hard fastballs before leading to Class A. As much as I don't like that, I don't think Shaw has enough in the tank to be the eighth inning setup guy to get those holds again and again, but I think he will be the most consistent middle reliever. I saw a fantastic joke this afternoon that Shaw was 124 appearances away from setting Cleveland's all-time relief appearance record, and somebody said knowing Terry Francona, he'd have it by July, and I just thought that was hilarious. But and Shaw, and Shaw would be fine with that. He, he's an absolute workhorse. And uh, especially in the early parts of the season, I was watching Class A pitch this afternoon uh, during the spring training game against the Dodgers. And 
He didn't have any gifable pitches, so he's not quite in midseason form. But I had that weird thought in the back of my head where, man, I'm thrilled to watch a full season of this guy as our closer. But if the starter gets hooked in the fifth, who's taking six, seven, and eight? So I, you know, I, I would have confidence that Shaw could handle the sixth consistently, and then it is just an absolute disaster between Shaw and Classe. Yep, I uh, I don't disagree with you on that one. So, um, especially with the uh, the crap sandwich that is the middle of our bullpen. Um, for one of my bold predictions, going back to someone we talked about uh, with the arbitration guys, uh, Cal Contrell. Um, I was looking at his uh, Statcast data, and uh, I have him. Uh, was kind of surprised that he was as good as he was, but. Um, he had last year was 81% hard hit uh, percentage, meaning that he was good at limiting hard hit percentage. My bold prediction is he will be in the 90th percentile this season. Um, keeps guys off edge with um, his mix of pitches. Um, Stackus has six different pitches for him. I think that's just a little bit of misnomers because there's a couple pitches that were only 100 pitches, 107. Um, so, I mean, it was just a little bit of things that uh, maybe the slider didn't move as much as uh, the cutter or uh, was what he was wanting. Um, but uh, his his ability to um, limit hard contact is what's helping him out. Um, and that's what, because uh, his, his K percentage is down at 22%. I think keeping um, keeping the, the bat off the ball, like I said, I... I Enjoy guys that pitch to contact, and uh, that's that's Quantrill as much as it's Savali as well. Um, without getting that uh, big miss um, pitch, so uh, Cal just keeping that uh, that going and and limiting the hard contact uh, will definitely help him. As Mitch said, possibly be the the number two or number three in the rotation. Um, so that's uh, that's mine. Anybody have any feelings about Cal Quantrill that they want to talk about? Or mind if I take this one? Go for it. Yeah, so you and I share Cal on our hot take list, and I'll get to mine in a second, but I, I really like the guy, and I would just like to point out that some of his numbers were skewed, that he spent a good chunk of the first half of the season either in the bullpen or only able to go two or three innings because they stretched him out mid-season due to right. the myriad of injuries. Um, it was really after that All-Star break that he really started to blossom, um, and I think it was because he cut the slider or maybe uh, at least – without it being in significant leverage situations. Uh, I know he really started relying on that fastball, which gets up to 95 for him and the changeup combo. He gets a lot of guys to just be it right into the ground. He's got a 43% ground ball rate for his career. Um, you know, he he's another one of those guys who has beaten his expected ERA and expected FIP throughout his career so far. But if you look at his uh, batting average on balls in play numbers, which is a pretty good indicator of luck, He's never really strayed too far from average. He was a 2.67 last season, which could suggest some correction towards the mean, but it wouldn't overinflate his numbers too much from where he ended last year. So my bold prediction with Cal Quantrill is that Mitchell owes me $10. Shortly after I joined the WFNY website, it might have been within the first two weeks, I found out that Mitchell was a betting man, and we had to put our money where our mouth is. We got into a nice little debate about Quantrill in a second half. Mitchell didn't think it was repeatable, and I am all on board with Cal being our number two. Uh, so we have a $10 bet in place for the 2022 season. 
I think Cal Quantrill will win at least 10 games with an ERA of 3.80 or better. That's uh, that's pretty spicy as well, to use a, uh, a mature word. Do you have any rebuttal on that one? Do you uh, are you uh, are you ready to pay up on this one? Because uh... uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not ready to uh, to uh, denigrate someone on uh, on a podcast. Let's I tried to pick all positive things, uh, but if I have to, uh, you know, Quantrill is. I, I mean, I want him to be good. Obviously, I want him to be the guy that he was last year because I'm a, I'm a Cleveland fan. And he had a 2.89 ERA, uh, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, until he, I just have a hard time believing guys who limit hard contact and have that kind of success with it. Um, and he and he does he like he does limit hard contact. But you know, I think we'll see some regression. I think he's a major league starter. I just think he's more of an innings eater type, um, which is absolutely fine. Like that is something that every good team needs. So nothing wrong with that. I just don't see it. I don't see the ERA. The wins could happen because I'm not, I, I don't believe in pitcher wins, but. For the record, uh, anybody listening, Mitchell did not counter me with, he'll, he thinks they'll have an ERA over five. He just does not think it'll be three, eight or lower. So he's not no. rooting against him. This is just, we, we had a gentleman's debate about where we think his final numbers are going to end up. I hope he doesn't give up a run next year. Right. I'll gladly give you $10 if that happens. You and me both. I'll take <laughs> All right, Mitch. One uh, was one of your um, bull sure. predictions. Uh, I'll go with uh, the shared one. Uh, yeah, so my bold prediction for Tristan McKenzie is that he will finish the 2022 season with a sub 3.5 ERA. Um, yeah, last year he finished the year with a 4.95 ERA, uh, certainly below average. Uh, but it really was a tale of two halves for, for McKenzie. And he, it was so clearly some sort of mental, uh, hurdle for him to get over. Uh, you know, I think, I think I would have a mental hurdle if I were that talented and, and still hearing my name, uh, at a major league park and seeing my, uh, name on the, on the screen, uh, and McKenzie seems like a thoughtful, pretty introspective person. I could see that bothering him. And and when you look at his second half numbers, I should mention he did also pitch in 2020, but it wasn't in front of fans. It's not really quite the same. Um, if you look at his splits between his first and second half, uh, the numbers are pretty telling. First of all, his fastball velocity was over a mile per hour, over a tick higher in the second half uh, after he was recalled from the minor leagues on July 9th. Um, his walks in the first part of the, uh, in this first half of the season, he had a walk rate over 20%, meaning he was walking over one out of every five batters. Uh, that's horrendous. Uh, in the second half, it was down to 6.2, which is not just palatable, but downright good. Uh, while his strikeouts didn't suffer too, too much, they went down about six percentage points. Um, and so really the next step for him is to be able to throw his slider and curveball with more command, get guys not only to chase those pitches, but to swing and miss, get them to swing at his pitch. Uh, and I'm betting on the personality. I, I really, really like Tristan. I think he's a smart guy. Uh, I think he works really hard. Uh, I'm counting on him to keep that fastball velocity up. And I, I really do think um, 
you know, even though it's contradictory with my last bold prediction, he could be the second best guy on this on this roster. Um, and that's not just by default. I think he could be like a legitimate, like very above average major league pitcher by the end of the season. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really enjoy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Ethan, you were the one that was uh, also connected to Tristan. Um, what was your uh, thoughts on him? So I'm right there with Mitchell. Um, and I know on the last pod, we talked about McKenzie's got a lot of those quiet leadership qualities. And he reminds us of a bunch of guys who have been successful in this league. And, and I, I just think it's absolutely incredible that his fastball velocity might be higher than his total weight. And I've listen to Andre not joke around with him in the dugout and these spring training games telling him he needs to eat some meat and he's going to take him out to a steak dinner and all of that. Um, I'm, I'm right there in line with you. My bold prediction for McKenzie is right on par with Mitchell, but like Mitchell is going to owe me $10 at the end of 2022. Marcus Stroman is going to owe Tristan McKenzie a Rolex at the end of the 2022 season. He and Tuki Toussaint back in January were, talking about how they needed a Rolex and they really wanted it badly. And they were on those rookie deals, not making a ton of money, not quite Rolex money, still good money. But Marcus Stroman, current Chicago Cubs pitcher, chimed in after Tristan tweeted saying that he needed one and said, if you go over 160 innings with a 3.7 ERA or lower, Marcus Stroman is going to buy Tristan McKenzie a Rolex. And I think he's going to get it. Man, that would be the dream if he got 160 innings. I would love that. I hope you're right. That's the part that concerns me. It's not the it's not the ERA. I think he absolutely has the stuff. But even towards the end of last season, when he was really good, we did see a lot of maintenance uh, skips in the rotation for McKenzie. Uh, and it's it may be something that starts out, too, because he's still a young guy. He may only get to 140, 150 this season. I think 160, I, I think Stroman nailed a perfect over-under number where he's comfortable not having to buy a guy a Rolex. So that's going to be the one to watch, not so much the ERA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just to uh, finish off the, the McKenzie conversation, I mean, you look at the the um, velocity numbers from McKenzie. I mentioned he went up a tick in the second half of last season up to 92.7 miles per hour. And, and some of you might be thinking out there, uh, you know, that's below average. That is, that is true. It is below average in Major League Baseball in 2021, uh, likely 2022. Uh, but the thing about McKenzie is that he is in the 87th percentile in terms of the extension he gets on his pitches. So, uh, it, yes, the, the the distance from the mound to the to home plate is 60 feet six inches, but because of those long levers, um, he actually releases it closer uh, than most guys. And you combine that with his uh, ridiculous true backspin, uh, he gets incredibly unique movement on the ball. Plus that. Uh, really, really great extension. He is a uh, a nightmare for for batters to stand in the plate against, especially right-handed batters. Uh, so, 
Yeah, he doesn't need elite velocity. I mean, it'd be great if he added it. It'd be great if he added muscle. But I think he can be an effective pitcher right now. Yeah, and he's shown that he has the ability to uh, to be that effective pitcher going forward. So, um, I definitely think that he's uh, he's he has it in it, and uh, he's he's good to go. So, um, my last bold prediction, uh, pretty bold, is. Um, James Karinczak gets 10 plus saves on the season. So um, for me, this is, this is as, as bold as it gets. Uh, this is not any kind of uh, downplay on class a at all. Um, I think it's just literally one Tito likes to mix up guys and, and, and um, getting, uh, getting extra saves is, is something that he likes to do. Get his guys some rest um, as much as he likes pitching, you know, the same guys every night, every time, going in, going in that order that he gets, um, he also does like to uh, get his guys some some rest every once in a while. So um, we talked about Krenjak having the the problems with the lack of sticky stuff last year, um, but I definitely think that uh, he could. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that he put in the work over the off season to uh, to get some of that command back. Um, cause what we saw last year was, was pretty awful, um, after the, uh, the ban, um, which, you know, we, we, uh, we expect that's what was the, uh, the situation, but, um, but it yeah, was so um, good before he was, he was as, he, he was as good as anybody in the league before the sticky stuff. And then when it, when it went away, uh, the, the wheels really did come off. So, um, you know, we're hoping that he, either, you know, find something that worked for them. Um, you know, they did, they major league baseball has said that they will allow a, a certain level of it with the, uh, pine tar and, uh, SPF sunscreen that they have that, you know, there is something like that, that they, the, a level of that, that they do allow, but there is, you know, the spider tack with Garrett Cole and holding the, uh, cinder block on his hand. That kind of stuff is, is what they're really getting rid of. Um, so maybe he found a, a concoction that works. I'm I'm not trying to say that he is cheating or that anything. We're just drawing you know correlations here that uh, as soon as the the ban went into effect, um, Grinchak really kind of fell off. So yeah. Um, but guess what? Sticky stuff doesn't make a pitcher. Like he has to sure. be able to throw. If I put sticky stuff in my hand, I would give up a home run every time I I threw the ball. I mean, he still is good. It, it, it just it bears reminding. Last year, Major League Baseball league average uh, K percentage was twenty three point two percent. Twenty three point two percent of plate appearances ended in a strikeout. Um, in twenty nineteen, in Double A, James Karinchak struck out sixty six point seven percent of batters he faced, and in Triple A, fifty three point eight percent. Like yes, it was sticky stuff aided, but those numbers are like comic book numbers. That's like what Superman would get. I mean. That's ridiculous. So uh, there's still something to hope for there. For sure. Uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Gerbs. If the entire league adjusted to the lack of sticky stuff or used sunscreen and rosin, like was suggested that they were pretty wax on, um, you know, I, I have some belief that James should be able to recover. Um, you know, it, it's just you, you don't want the worst case scenario, which I think is what happened to Tyler Glasnow last year, where 
he had to leave a start early and he said, yeah, I'm having to grip the ball harder than ever to get my break, my movement, all of that. And then wound up needing Tommy John surgery and is going to miss most of this season, if not all of it. So that was something that was definitely to worry about with Karen check throwing as hard as he does. Um, especially without the sticky stuff, because if he was throwing it that hard and he didn't have the sticky substance, then if the batter didn't know where it was going, he sure as hell didn't. So I think he just needed the extra time in the minors. Um, I don't have them in front of me, but I think he improved over the course of the season while he was down there. Um, so hopefully he's had the entire offseason now to work on it. And I know I said earlier, I think he's going to be one of those setup guys in the eighth inning alongside goes the dueling opposite handed flamethrowers, but it's still going to give me heartburn and anxiety until he's got a string of solid outings together. For sure. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, you had one more uh, bold prediction that nobody else had. And Ethan's all used up on his takes. So give us your last one and then uh, we can uh, finish it up here for the night. Sure. Um, you know, I was joking in the uh, little Google Doc we have that my bold predictions were all about a tale of two X. I was kind of making fun of the uh, the tale of two cities trope. Um, and, you know, it mostly like this is silly. Uh, I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was kind of funny that like, you know, different different roles. Guys have different performances in different years. And it's that's like so much of what baseball analytics is, is trying to figure out what's real and what's fake. Uh, and we have these two groups. Um, and I think this might be a little bit of circumstances, but uh, my last one is Sam Hentges's tale of two roles. Um, and really, I mentioned this last week, uh, but it, it really is just kind of galling. Uh, Sam Hentges was a starter for most of last season. Um as a starter, he pitched 41 innings. Uh, he faced 198 batters. Uh, as a reliever, only 27.2. So I guess he appeared in more games as a reliever. But it was pretty 50-50 in terms of, of how he, uh, what role he was in. As a starter, he walked uh, under 20% per, uh, percent, and he walked about 14%. Uh, just uh, you don't have to know too much about baseball to know that you want to walk few batters and you want to strike out a lot of batters that's usually uh key to success uh for pitching stands the reason you know you want to get yeah i i think generally we can all agree that strikeouts are good for pitchers and walks are bad so yes he barely struck out more than he walked as a starter last year but as a reliever he struck out 26.7 percent of uh his batters and he walked just 4.2 there was no more of this uh you know nibbling no more of this you know terrible you know i have to make it two or three times with the order so i have to throw the perfect pitch he just went out and attacked uh and it showed in the home runs that he allowed as well um because as a reliever uh he allowed uh an extreme amount of home runs um and as a and as a starter he allowed much fewer uh oh here it is uh per nine he allowed 0.88 homers as a starter and um, almost two as a reliever so maybe he could stand to, to be a little more cautious. But the point is, um, Sam Hentges struck out a lot of batters as a relief pitcher and walked very, very few of them. That is, like, not all of pitching, but that's a gosh darn lot of pitching. Uh, and if Sam Hentges can uh, just continue to to throw those numbers and, and maybe get a little more experience, maybe avoid the middle of the zone as much, 
Uh, he has a lot of room for error being 6'8 and throwing 97, but he doesn't have infinite room for error. And as he kind of plays with that, learns his learns his repertoire, learns how he can get out major league hitters more consistently, I really think we're looking at a guy who can be a high leverage relief pitcher, uh, which is awesome. Um, you know, it's it's great to have kind of like a physical kind of beast coming out, giving guys a different look. Um, you know, imagine – uh, the starting pitcher is Aaron Savali, you know, a six foot tall righty. And then you switch immediately to Sam Hentges, who's almost a foot taller and coming from the opposite side of the plate and throwing about 10 miles per hour harder. I mean, uh, you know, this is the stuff you dream about. So, yeah, my hot take is that uh, Sam Hentges will be, let's just say he's the seventh inning guy by the end of the season. I feel I like that. Yeah, I, I feel, feel pretty good with that one. I don't hate that either, too, because Hentges was a guy last year that was thrown to the Wolves. Um, I I think he may have only gotten one start at AAA last season before being called up and called to action early, early on with some of the injury struggles that the Guardians faced. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy who pretty much only has trial by fire. He doesn't have the full development track that you would like for a guy. He's, he's only going to be, what, 25 this season? So yeah, he he's, he'll, yeah. he'll turn twenty six in season, I think. Yeah, so yeah, there. This will be his age twenty five season. You're right. Yeah, so there's a lot to love about the the overpowering both pitches and his frame, and he's going to have room to room and time to grow and develop into it. It's just can he pick it up on the fly? Yeah. Um, you were Mitch. One thing you mentioned uh, the different looks. Um, the the bullpen is for sure this is not anything that you can ever uh bet on here we have just looking down the list of you have eli morgan who's you know starter turn you started turning in the bullpen for right now um we, we know, should be kind of the swing on, guy you're, you're on roster resource right now right yeah yep okay yeah we're using roster resource on fangraphs yes um but just going straight up from the bottom eli morgan righty um, you know, Ethan was talking about how good his changeup is and, and, and the possibility that it's one of the better pitches on the staff. Logan Allen like looked like he gained some good weight today, too, in uh, spring training. I, it's early. We don't have – I'm hoping that it increases velocity because it would be pretty sweet if you could go out there and throw 92, 93 instead of 89, 90, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Logan Allen, oh, the old, the older Logan Allen, uh, lefty out of the bullpen, um, there's uh, Eniel De Los Santos, the non-roster invitee, who who's who's to say that he's going to actually make it. But uh, there's Taylor, uh, Trevor Steffen, that was a Rule Five pick uh, holdover from last year. Righty, you know, as as uh, you hate to hear the word average, but as average of a guy as there is. Then you go Sam Hedges or uh, lefty, big swinging Andrew Miller uh, type guy, Nick Sandlin, submariner right-hander. Brian Shaw coming at you with the the curve and the 97 from last year. Anthony goes lefty. James Grinchak has that awkward where he looks like he's, it looks like the ball is coming out of the top of his head when he throws it, uh, throw somehow falling away from while he's throwing. And then class a come in with the, uh, with the hundred mile an hour heat. Um, not, and no, I think there's maybe one or two guys that look the same coming out of that bullpen. Um, that's going to have a lot of lineups, you know, really freaked out 
that you yeah. can't you can't get set on any kind of one thing and um the way that rosters are are built anymore um you know you really you you don't you don't have a uh a problem with you know lefty lefty or righty righty or anything like that you can you can bust those things up so yeah i mean this in the absolute nicest least rude way possible uh when i say they're a bunch of weirdos i mean for sure none of them are normal yeah they they all either throw submarine or like they're a weird rubber they're a person made out of rubber in brian shaw's case like none of them other than stefan are like at all normal like emmanuel class a just like throws the ball and it's like 100 miles per hour and also has more movement than uh half the guys in the league i mean right they're all it's, just it, a bunch of weirdos class a is the most effortless 100 mile an hour pitch that uh with with a tail that comes out you know streaming away from you so yeah. all right guys oh, I was say, last point not to mention they do still have a couple of guys down on the farm system who could be major bullpen pieces not too far from now so even if things get rough, there's probably guys they can go to in the well, like a Nick McLodge check. Uh, I've seen this guy, Robert Broom, pitch a little bit in spring training, who has a really funky submarine style, Adam Simber-esque uh, hop to him. It's kind of fun. Uh, and then even guys just towards the top of the farm, like a Justin Garza or Kirk McCarty, maybe in an emergency situation could come up and take a long relief kind of position. So I think we're more set as a team in the bullpen than the rotation as far as the pitching factory goes, but they should be able to at least patch something together. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 I as I'm, I'm coming around a little bit more on the bullpen just by the way we're talking about it, but um, there still is some hope, uh, Still some need for some guys in there, but there's oh, these are bold predictions. So, these this, for sure. None of none of what you heard today will probably be true. I say I asked. Wrong. I asked for spicy, <laughs> and you guys provided spicy, so I appreciate that. So, um, we did have a couple comments from Kevin, so I just wanted to make sure he was uh, watching on Facebook, and uh, definitely appreciate all the comments. Uh, I was very excited for Cal Control when he. Uh, came over in the trade and uh the 2.5 as as ethan mentioned is definitely a steal for his salary so um that is it for us tonight anything you guys else uh anything else that you guys have for tonight pay jose ramirez (laughs) just sign the guy give him what he wants get in your car and drive down rafa i don't (laughs) get in or get in a plane or yeah get the get the deal done that's what secure the bag get yeah. it uh get it get it get it over with get it done Online. whatever yeah. he's asking for he's worth more just give it to him yeah is there a move real quick is there a move that you think will be done by next week when we uh pot again Ugh, you're really putting me at with my my glass half full attitude Ooh. that i'm trying to have uh sure yeah there's a move yeah we're going to trade for Sean Murphy <laughs> oh, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I, I think we will. I, I, I do think that there's going to be something I, I, I predict another bullpen arm added um, from somewhere. Everybody's thinking they're getting the band back together, bringing back Andrew Miller, which wouldn't be awful. And it would be able to be somebody that teaches Sam edges how to do what he's doing. But uh, it's better uh, than Blake Parker. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that we're going to start seeing some guys 
coming in and some guys moving out of the 40 man. Um, but, uh, Ethan, you got any, any moves you think of, or, uh, you took mine. So I'm going to go out on the limb. I think we have seen enough of Bradley Zimmer this preseason, seven strikeouts and 10 at bats, put Quan in the lineup, get him out of here, DFA him and sign Tommy Pham. That's a, I'm, I'd be okay with that. Um, we mentioned also, um, I guess we will go over hitters next week. Uh, probably have some bold predictions on that. Um, so we can finish out a team preview in this abbreviated off season that we've had this podcast for. Um, but one thing that I uh, will probably talk about is Fran Mills uh, ability out in the outfield. Uh, they had him out and left today and it's at least twice they've had him out this week out in left field. So, We'll see uh, how much that experiment is actually going to hold or if they're going to uh, to go down on the farm uh, and bring up somebody like Juan or maybe uh, Richie, is it Palacios? Palacios. Palacios. I always go with you guys on that one. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for the WFNY Cornercast. Thank you guys for uh, coming out and watching us tonight on Facebook, on YouTube Live. Um, we'll have the podcast uh out on your uh, streaming, whatever you listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We'll have that for you tomorrow. Um, You guys stay safe out there. All right. Good night. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 